Thank you for tuning into Black and Well Voices, a space where we invite Black identities to share their thoughts, experiences, and endeavors that'll push the collective forward. Today we are joined by Dr. Justin Hopkins, a clinical psychologist and therapist who specializes in providing psychotherapy for adolescents, adults, and couples. So Dr. Hopkins works with a variety of concerns, including mood and anxiety issues, trauma, personality styles, relationships and family issues, work or academic-related stress, as well as gender, racial, or sexual identity-related oppression. Uh, So buckle down in your seats today. You're in for a ride with this conversation as he joins Olivia Grant, our host, to just really give his uh, eye-opening insight on the root of mental health issues within the Black community, what wellness can look like for Black men, how to foster healthy dynamics between Black men and women, as well as how therapy can positively impact the Black community, and of course, what it means to live Black and well. Enjoy. Hello, Dr. Justin Hopkins. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm great, thank you. I am doing great. Thank you again for agreeing to this and and joining Black and Well Voices. Um, Absolutely. We're we're excited to have you on board. So, yeah, we're just going to, well, I'm going to ask you a few questions to get your insight into, you know, mental health and wellness. Um, Your voice is one that's influential in this space, so... Yeah, we're excited to get your perspective into the Black and Wealth community. That sounds great. I'm, I'm really excited to be here and, and to offer the knowledge that I have. Any Anytime I have an opportunity to um, share some insights and knowledge with my community, it's exciting and um, I, I feel honored to do so. Amazing. Amazing. So, yeah, we're, we're, we're excited that you're excited. Um <laughs> I'm going to start off with asking you, what sparked your journey into psychology and wellness? Absolutely. There, there's two parts of this story. Uh, one part that's that's uh, particularly personal and another part that I think centers more so around my professional development and um, the kind of things I've become interested in professionally. You know, for, for us therapists, there's, well, I think for everyone, there's a little bit of overlap in terms of the personal and the professional in terms of how you come to go into the field that you're in. I think there's even more overlap for therapists because we are the, the, the tool. We are the tool in our clinical work. And so we have to come to know our tool very well and refine our tool over time in order to be effective therapists. So all that to say for, for me, Yes, my, my journey into this work is, is personal. Um, I am one of two children uh, from Queens, New York, uh, born to married parents. And uh, my dad is uh, a business owner and uh, an attorney. And my grandfather, his dad, is a barbershop owner. And, and those two yeah. businesses are literally right next to each other. It's a little kind of family uh, corner here. Um, yeah. And, you know, I would go to school and come home to my grandfather's uh, 
barbershop in my dad's office that was kind of after school home, you know, right. and, and the barbershop in particular was one of the few places where black men would come to talk about various topics and issues in their life. You know, um, barbershops are sacred in the black community. Right. And uh, it was one of those, uh, it, it was just one of those environments where we really, really got into the details about our own experiences and, and unloaded more. Now, there are rules in that environment as well in terms of what you can and cannot share. But in, in the moments when the sharing really worked well, it was powerful. And I, I yeah. loved observing that. And I, and I wanted to see more of that. I wasn't quite sure what it was when I was young, but I just wanted to see more of that kind of connection. And, and, and talking and, and I think additionally I was always that cliche person uh, in my friend groups <laughs> that people came to uh, for advice uh, to be heard to be understood and, and considered and I, I think both of those influences being in the barbershop and kind of having that personality that 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 um, where I was a, a listener and, and people would come to me I, I really found an interest in psychology and I particularly developed an interest in understanding people with a layer of depth and then with to, to a certain layer of depth. And that's what took me into psychodynamic therapy and, and looking at the unconscious mind as, as well as the conscious mind and trying to understand people at a really, really uh, nuanced and complex level. Uh, and so that's, that's been my journey. That's been my journey. I, I took a class in high school. I, Major did it in college, psychology, and then I went on to get my doctorate in clinical psychology as well. Amazing. I think it's it's always so much more powerful and impactful when you have that personal experience in the field that you're in. Um, sure. and, I, and I always say there's there's magic in community. There's magic in talking. Mm, um, absolutely. So that's, that's, a, that's a great example of that. You know, mm-hmm. um, when when people get together and when people talk, it it, it brings about such impactful change. Um, sometimes when we're going through stuff to do with our wellness and our mental health, we can be tempted to kind of retreat a little bit. Um, but sometimes it's actually necessary for us to to talk, get to talking and ex- and share our experience with others. Um, I'm going to ask next: what when it comes to mental health? What are some patterns that tend to show up most often in men and women, in your perspective? Absolutely. You know, speaking uh, about uh, the Black experience, of, of which is a spectrum, right? You know, we, we know that we're a diaspora, we're not a monolith, and there's a tremendous amount of diversity in the Black community. Um, and yet we also know that typically, um, and I would pretty much say in in any situation, blackness does represent something to the world around us. And we interact with that meaning. And it's a lot of times it's painful. We know that we carry an additional weight. So I think for both men and for black men and black women, um, we carry an additional pressure on our shoulders. You had just mentioned, you know, how a lot of the times for, for us, we, um, we may not necessarily come forward with what we're feeling and we need yeah. more spaces and communities where we can. And we feel this pressure. We feel this pressure to be twice as good to get half as far. And that's not just an idiom, you know, that there's actually research to support that, you know, 
even when we were given uh, a fair shot at an employment opportunity, uh, the research shows that in, in many industries, we are more criticized. We yes. are less likely to be affirmed or praised for our accomplishments, recognized for our accomplishments, and we're more likely to uh, lose our position than our, our white counterparts. We, we carry that with us. I am an NFL fan, despite all of its challenges and problematic ways um, as an organization. I grew up uh, playing football. And, uh, you know, the research on black quarterbacks we see is that literally the, the stats say down to the number, they have to be twice as good to get half as far. And they're more likely still to get benched or lose their job. And the teams are more likely to suffer after that, even when that happens. Right. More teams right. more likely to suffer when black quarterbacks are benched, um, but yet it still happens over and over and over again. They're given less chances to succeed or make mistakes, and we see the NFL still having trouble with their with hiring uh, a fair amount of black coaches. So we know these things, right? Like we know that we have to um, really, really be great, you know, and 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 outperform the competition in order to uh, be valued to the degree that we deserve in this world. So we put that pressure on ourselves. And a lot of the times we just do not give ourselves the grace or the, the reprieve, the necessary opportunity to just be human. Right. Whereas society doesn't allow us that fair chance. A lot of the times we don't allow us that fair chance as well. So I, I think for both black men and women, um, sometimes it's hard for us to acknowledge and speak to and, and allow for the space for our own humanity right because of how we're, we're we interact with the world around us absolutely absolutely and you know as black people in general of course but black men in particular um do tend to get you know the raw end of the stick in a lot of societal circumstances as a therapist do you find that it's harder for black men to come forward and deal with their mental health issues than, you know, black women? Absolutely. Absolutely. So the, the, the challenge for black men, you know, we know that uh, that male privilege is a thing um, and that we live in a patriarchal society. And, you know, what I, what I always say to folks is that, you know, it's, you know, patriarchy is incredibly awful for women. It promotes a culture of, of abuse and discrimination and violent oppression. It is also dehumanizing for men in that, you know, patriarchy essentially at its core, it postulates that, you know, men are better because they are stronger. And also part of that being better is that they're not emotional. Mm -hmm. We don't have emotions, right? As a man, you don't cry. As a man, you don't show weakness. You're not in, 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 impacted by things, in fact, uh, as a man, you're supposed to be impervious to the throes of life. And we just know that that is simply not true. But if we acknowledge that it's not true, then we lose our identity as a man. Right. And that's an impossible situation. Yeah, It's a completely impossible situation. So we have generations upon generations of Black men who are really quite unfamiliar with their own feelings yeah. Yeah. and cannot acknowledge the ways in which they may make mistakes or the ways in which they may feel or struggle and essentially the ways in which they are human, the ways in which they're human. Right. You know, it's, it's so, you know, we're taught at such a young age, right? Don't cry, wipe that off. 
uh, don't act like, you know, the, the, the misogynistic rhetoric, don't act like a girl, don't be like a, a woman, which puts down black women, but also tells you, you know, don't, it's, it's separating. It's, it's divisive, right? It says, yeah. don't be like your, your um, female counterparts by, by feeling, giving way to emotion. That's not, that's not manly. And the reality is, you know, we all feel, we all feel to, to feel is to exist and, and feelings are, are just, they, they offer us vital information into our interpretations of the world around us. Yeah. And we can really benefit from that information um, and allow it to kind of inform us and enlighten us if we allow ourselves to consider our emotions seriously. So a, a lot of men, we struggle to admit that we're, that we have feelings or that we're challenged with something because it's, it's threatening. Um, it can make us feel like we're not a man. Right. Uh, it can make us feel like we're not enough. It also feels like we're putting a target on our back by being more vulnerable. There are not many safe spaces for men to be vulnerable, right? Whether that be being um, dismissed by other men or women, or uh, again, looked at even by yourself as not being good enough. Right. right. There's, there aren't many space spaces for men, safe spaces for men to come forward. So. That's why we see that the suicide rate, a large part of why we see the suicide rate is much higher for men in general. Um, and, and so this, this creates a really challenging uh, dynamic for a lot of black men. It's, there's the rhetoric around being strong as a black person, right? Black and resilient being redundant in a way. Right. And, and then also as a man, you're supposed to kind of hold everything in right. and, and be tough. And that and those two competing, uh, well, actually, I think uh, complementary um, pressures really, really impact us in a, in a deadly way. You know, and I really do mean that. Of course. And, you know, like you said, it can seem like an impossible situation, you know, because the way in which society has been set up has meant that, men from childhood have had these thoughts feelings and ways of being kind of implemented into their lives without them even knowing and so right, you get to exactly. adulthood and you have a bunch of undoing to do you know yes um right while trying to battle the projections of others still and yes right that there's that deprogramming exactly right? the deprogramming that we have to do or as I like to call it, the uh, rehumanizing right. process that we have to, to have to go through uh, uh, as black people in general, but, uh, and and uh, for for black men battling both of those systems, um, um, and you know black women deal with that system in a different way, right? right. Around um, uh, patriarchy and and being black, right? The pressures. Uh, and, and the experiences around them that silence them, that tell them their voice doesn't matter, yep. that, that their concerns or the experiences that they go through um, in, in some cases are, are so invalidated, right? It's like a recurring gaslighting experience, right. you know, uh, for, for women to have their voices heard and, and recognize their, their contributions as being uh, uh, valid. And, you know, and I, and I think between, uh, men and women, you have the situation here where in heterosexual, in cisgender relationships between men and women, where you have Black women who um, maybe have grown up with the emotional space 
to be more fully themselves in the sense that they can recognize when they're feeling certain things, they can have space to cry, to emote, to process what they're feeling and be supported in that way, perhaps by uh, their male counterparts or, or, or other sisters in their space. But, right, may not be recognized or validated because their voices still are, are, not, are, are, are not appreciated Right. Um, because of how patriarchy operates, and of course, because of how racism operates, of right? The 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 messages of inadequacy that 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 promotes, and then you have black men who are uh, some of who are strangers to themselves because they're socialized to deny any feelings that they might have, right? Right. So it's it's hard to recognize an other if there are parts of you that you're socialized to not recognize. Yeah. So you can have this chasm between black men and black women in heterosexual relationships where black men are actually hurting, struggling with their own emotionality. Black women are kind of, you know, they, they know that language, they know that lingo and maybe can even um, support their black male counterpart emotionally, but have struggle struggle they, they they they're not being acknowledged as much right, right by the, their male counterpart and that male counterpart doesn't know how to relate as much right um because they they have a tough time relating even to themselves so of course there's a million different kind of combinations of different things that can happen between couples uh but this is one that i think is rather common the the miscommunication that happens around our own emotionality and um, and 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 uh, emotional experiences. Absolutely, and I think that is such what you, what you explained there is is key, you know, because this is what can cause issues within the black family, and I feel like yeah. black women can tend to have certain expectations of black men, and vice versa. And mm-hmm. I mean, what what kind of advice would you give to black men and women and also black couples um, in terms of holding space for one another and, and keeping that the way this system works and, and the dynamic of it in mind? How, how can we hold space for one another? Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, I think it's important for black men and black women, you know, um, to understand that black men uh, don't have a uh, space to understand themselves or understand their own emotions. And we, you know, we're, we're socialized not to understand ourselves in that way. And black men and black women have to understand that black women are, are typically, uh, are, are typically um, socialized to um, hold it all in, hold it all together as well. But um to also, they're, they're socialized into silence, socialized into not being recognized, and they're tired of having those experiences where their voices are not heard, their needs are not recognized, or they're put down for any of the aforementioned. Um, you know, when it comes to couples work, and I do do couples therapy, you know, I, I, I often tell couples, let's, I, that the, the truth doesn't matter so much in terms of what happens between couples. Right. Uh, you know, it, it does, obviously, you know, if something happens, something happens, I mean, you know, particularly things that are traumatic and should not be ignored. But what I mean when I say that is that couples are going to disagree all the time about a bunch of things. Right. You know, you, 
you you ask a couple how often they have sex, how often they get into arguments, you nine times out of 10, you get two different answers. Right. And, and what it speaks to is that, you know, now, yes, somewhere in the ether, there is an accurate number, right? <laughs> but what it speaks to is that two people have two different experiences of the world. Yeah. That you, they're in the same relationship, but they have two very different experiences of it, right? right. And there's legitimacy to that. There's legitimacy to the feelings and the, the, um, the, um, their perspective, right? To, to what's happening in the relationship. And my job isn't to referee and tell them who's right and who's wrong. My job is to help them understand one another. Of course, yeah. Understand, understand themselves, understand why it is they're communicating a particular way, why it is they're feeling a particular way, and help them to communicate that in a way that invites their partner to understand them as well. Right. It's not about telling someone you're right about this, you're wrong about that. It's about helping one another understand um helping them understand themselves and then helping them understand one another. So in terms of what I, what I would tell folks is that you have to do the work of understanding yourself first before you can do the work of understanding the other. And let's also understand what a very typical dynamic for us because of the experiences that we go through as black men and black women is black men feeling really, really, really boxed into who they can be as a person right. and feeling very pressured, right. To not feel. And then that is, that is disastrous for communication and in even living creativity and even living a fulfilling life, right. The vulnerability is the birthplace for all of that, right. for creativity, for intimacy, for connection. Yeah. Right. And, and so we really struggle in those ways and we need safe spaces where we're not going to be shamed for feeling shame for crying, yeah. um, shame for being human. And, you know, we also have to understand how, uh, many of our Black women are, are are just exhausted and tired from being silenced, overlooked, yeah. uh, and uh, and not acknowledged and, and disrespected in many ways in this society. And can we acknowledge that for each other? We're both yearning for some validation and affirmation. And, and can we be sensitive to that um, for ourselves? and also for the other person. Absolutely, absolutely. And I think, I feel like therapy can be such an important part of a black person's experience. However, I know that, Mm -hmm. you know, even from my experience in black communities, the idea of therapy can be, still be a taboo subject, even even though it is effective. And so I just want to ask you how, how, how effective have you found that therapy is when it comes to dealing with mental health and relationships and what advice would you give to black women and black men in particular considering therapy absolutely uh first first off yes therapy is incredibly effective um it it can be um and the large majority of people who go to therapy either um, experience a reduction in symptoms in the way of maybe not feeling as depressed, not feeling as anxious, or getting along with your partner as well. You know, managing some of the, the, the challenges and signs, the discomfort that come along with having um, a, an adverse mental experience. 
All right. I, I don't like using the word disease or disorder because I, I think really when, when we talk about a mental health issue, a lot of the times it's our way of trying to cope with some um, really challenging experiences and the way that we cope or account for those experiences result in say a depression or an anxiety. Right. It's our body's way of trying to maintain a homeostasis and this new homeostasis called depression or anxiety is one that's also debilitating, right. right? And so we can try to kind of work to understand how it is that you made this shift into this kind of experience. And then, you know, slowly but surely kind of work our way out of that. So that's so that's one thing, right? Um, but I, 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 I also think, I'm sorry, I'm kind of forgetting the beginning of your question, if you wouldn't remind, wouldn't mind uh, just reminding me yeah, no, what your I, initial of question course. was. <laughs> of course, of course. So, so you I, got I me going so. on a, got a bit of a tangent. I, I do do that sometimes. <laughs> and it, it was a long question on my part. I, I will put my hand up for that. But, no worries. Um, I, I basically said, what, how effective have you found that therapy is when it comes yes, to dealing right. with mental health? And what advice would you give to Black men and women considering therapy? Sure, 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 sure. So, to, yeah, to, so to get back to that even more, um, I, I, would, I would encourage people to know that, you know, therapy is not like um, medical procedures, right. you know, when you break a leg, you go to the doctor, the doctor shows you on the x-ray where the broken leg is. You're, you, there's no doubt about what it is that you're experiencing. They tell you definitively what you have to do and what outcomes you can hope for, right? It, it's pretty concrete, black or white, yes or no. You do, you know, you put it in a cast for several weeks uh, and then you do physical therapy for X amount of weeks. And then for this few months, you you know, you can kind of work your way up to this level of impact and the work, you know, and when it, when it comes to dealing with our emotions, it's, you know, if you get your feelings hurt, where is that? Right. Where is that? You know, it's, it's a little more intangible and amorphous. So what the way that therapy works is it's more of a process. It's not so task focused, yes or no. You come in, I tell you to do this, boom, your depression or anxiety is cured. Right. That's really, it's way more, it's way more process focused and complex than that. Because everyone has, you know, mental health is like a fingerprint. Right. Everyone's, everyone's is different. Yeah. Right. So therapy is more about helping you to understand yourself better and through that depth of processing of uh, reflecting, saying some things out loud, it allows you to organize yourself in ways that can really be liberating. So I'd encourage people to know that it's a process and you gotta and you also gotta find the right fit, the right therapist for you. Right. You know? Um and and lastly I would encourage people to put as much into it as you can. The more that you put into therapy, the more you can get out the more you can challenge yourself to speak in an uncensored fashion, right. the more that you can be vulnerable and, and uh, over time, right. And, and speak about your truth in an uncensored way, allow yourself to free associate, allow yourself to, to really say things that maybe, maybe even might be hard to say, right. or that you otherwise would be embarrassed or ashamed to say, but to say those things out loud so that you can make sense of it and integrate it. Yeah. 
um, and, and, and organize in, in a way. And that's what change and healing is really made of, right? Those, those, those moments when you can say what you haven't been able to say, put words to it, because that's, that's how it's organized and understood. That's when you get more clear understanding of why you may be struggling in a particular way. So it does take effort. Yep. Therapy is not sexy. It doesn't always feel great. Right, right. It does dis- it does disrupt some things. Yeah. And you know, healing healing is a part of going healing is about going through that and then coming out um different on the other side. Absolutely, absolutely. Um Dr. Hopkins, you've provided such an invaluable um perspective on on wellness and especially therapy. Um definitely have left me and I know our listeners with some things to think about um the last question I'm going to ask you is what does living black and well look like for you oh that is a really really good one um it it sounds like we need to wrap up I mean how much how much time do you have (laughs) I I can be I can be brief (laughs) as as much time as you need there's absolutely no one I'd love to hear the details of this answer (laughs) Sure, sure. So this is a complicated one. Um, you know, as as I as I was kind of saying earlier, you know, we we know that we take on um, an extra weight in this society, in this world, in this life as a black person. There are additional burdens that you carry along with you that you are born into just by the color of your skin. We know that, right? Yeah. We and we understand that. Um, and society, right, although there's acknowledgement of it, at the same time, there's also vast denial of it, which is why we still continue to deal with some of these issues today, why we still have discrimination in the workplace, right? We're we're steadily working towards becoming a better society, but we, the work is cut out for us and it's remained that way for, um, since America's genesis, right? To me, um, in order to be black and to also live well, there's this kind of almost intenable um, uh, balance that we try to strike between accepting the fact that we have additional burdens and fighting back at it. Right. Right, whether that be advocating for justice, or um, or you know doing things for yourself that are really really meaningful, right? right? You know, we we do. I think we actually do the acceptance part quite well. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> accepting that we have additional burdens. Right. I think we do that quite well. In fact, I think I I think we do that too well to the point of where it actually detracts from us mm. we you know to, to be black and resilient is redundant and it's it's almost kind of uh it's it, it's inherent in the word it's implied to be black you you have to be resilient and it's actually at the point of it being dehumanized right. because we just expect us to be more resilient than other people yes whether that be the strong black woman trope or the um, strong black man trope, right? Whatever the case may be, we kind of expect ourselves to handle way more than anyone else. Yeah. And it just kind of, in, in a way it can rationalize this, 
the fact that we have more to carry and that's unfair. Right. You know, at the same time, accepting the fact that, that, you know, things are more challenging for us, we can kind of gear up to deal with those things and overcome obstacles where we can. Yeah. I think it's actually really, really important that we allow ourselves living black and well, I think we have to be able to allow ourselves the grace and humanity that society won't give us. Yes. We have to, we have to allow ourselves, right. To be angry, to be sad, to feel scared, to struggle, to fail, to make mistakes. But we have to love ourselves through that. Yeah. You know, I, I, I think, I think to take care of yourself, to engage in self-care as a black person is rebellious. Right. Because what that means is that you're valuing yourself more than society typically does black lives. Yeah. But so you, in order to do that, you have to recognize that there's injustice in the way that society views us and then, and, and, and then kind of, you know, re- rebel against that injustice by treating yourself in a different way. So I would just say, I, I think black and well does involve some anger. It involves some rebellion yes. because both of those things allow us to recognize the injustice rather than to take it on as something that we just should be able to, to overcome or, or something that um, doesn't even deserve mention that we just got to do it right. anyway you know, uh, no matter what. Um, If we're not careful, we blame ourselves for the things in this society that work against us. And and that can be really, really, really depressing. Instead, I would say, be angry about those things. Uh, Learn, um, consider um, some liberating ways to, to be in touch with that anger. And I think one of the ways to do that is to make sure that we are regarding ourselves, forgiving ourselves and uplifting ourselves as much as we can in this life um, alongside the, the anger and disregard for the injustice that we experience. One of my favorite quotes by James Baldwin is to be black and to be relatively conscious is to be in a rage almost all the time. Mm-hmm. And I think that's true. And I think that rage is fair. It's okay. Yes. And how could you not feel that? Right give yourself space to feel that because to not be angry at injustice is to consent to it to be okay with it right to not to not yell or say ouch you know it kind of you um you become an accomplice to the hurt be be hurt be angry about it say ouch acknowledge it make sure that you know that that's an external thing not coming from you that even though you take responsibility for how you engage it yep. you are not accountable for its existence right and let's be angry about having to engage it while also um rebelling against that system and taking care of ourselves and and treating ourselves humanely in the ways that we deserve that's what i think black and what being black and well is really about i I, I just love that. And I think these are such affirmative words um, to end on. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> no, absolutely. <laughs> such, such affirmative words because I, you know, as, as a black woman myself, sometimes you can, sometimes there is a little bit of guilt associated with, you know, simply prioritizing your joy or prioritizing your well-being. Right. Exactly. Um, and I think the part about, understanding that anger will be there and that is okay 
I think yeah. so many of us need to hear that because yeah. again, you can end up with the guilt for either being angry or the guilt for simply yes, rebelling against exactly. the system. Exactly. And that's okay. And that guilt, that that guilt is what can keep us in this, you know, box of not being quite human enough, even to ourselves, right? right? Like feeling bad for prioritizing ourselves. And you know, a part of that guilt, what it really communicates is I'm not supposed to be that important. Right. Right. That I prioritize. I'm not. Yep. You know, there, there's, 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 a, there's, there's, there are macro communications that speak to like kind of the system that we're in, but also those com- the micro communications that we have with ourselves, yeah. right? And 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 uh, and guilt speaks to to both of those. Yeah. So rebelling means I damn sure am that important, right. and I need to be able to take care of myself. I deserve to feel good. Yes. in this life i deserve some ease and comfort in this life even though society tells me i'm not supposed to be that important or be that comfortable that's what i want and i do deserve that as a black person and i'm and i'm going to prioritize it because i'm because i am that important i am yep. the protagonist in my life and I'm, I'm worthy of such absolutely absolutely um this has been a very, very eye-opening and informative conversation. Um, Dr. Hopkins, where can we find you? Is there anything that we need to look out for you in the coming recent times? Or, yeah, let, let us know where we can find you. Absolutely. So you can find me on Clubhouse, uh, Instagram, and Twitter at Dr. J.S. Hopkins. That's D-R-J-S-H-O-P-K-I-N-S. Uh, my website is also drjshopkins.com. Uh, and and, and in, in the coming weeks or so, I, I am partnering. I'm a clinical ambassador with the organization Create the Space. Uh, you can uh, look up createthespace.com and find a community um, that's designed to provide space for Black men to um, access their vulnerability and to um, rehumanize. Uh, one of the taglines is rehumanizing the black man. And what that really means is just giving us space to open up, to be vulnerable and to heal and to be more completely human, to be us, to get in touch with ourselves and, and our needs and, and things of that nature. It's a very, very powerful space. And um, they're launching a com- campaign in the, in the coming weeks and days where I'll be doing some writing about this process of rehumanizing the black man and um, and becoming more in touch with, with oneself. So please look out for them, createthespace.com. You can sign up and become a member and get access to even uh, more in-depth material and also part of their groups where there are clinicians available and some of their events where they have black men come in and tell stories about their lives and how they came to uh, this new, they, they came to discover the, the power in vulnerability. Um, so it's a really, really powerful organization. They're doing some great things. Uh, you can also find them on social media at Create the Space. Awesome. Well, Dr. Hopkins, thank you again. Um, we'll end that there. Um, and yeah, thank, thank you for, for, for agreeing to come on here and, and do this. Again, amazing, amazing conversation. Thank you for listening to Black and Well Voices. I'm your host, Olivia Grant. 
and you can find me at thehouseofog.com and on Instagram at ogsongstress.